Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's going to be challenging. As long as it's worth it to me, I'm in. I got this. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. It is Monday. Yes, yes, it is. Well, you could be listening to this any day of the week, but this episode is releasing on Monday. And you know what I love about Mondays? Everything. I love Mondays. I love Mondays because I get to get up out of bed and tackle an awesome to-do list that is connected to my goals, the things that I am seeking to accomplish in my life. And all of my goals, I will be honest, are about you. It's about how can I help you stand out and save time as you grow your business particularly on social media and through all the content that you create for your business and for your website. I get excited. I get up and I'm like, yes, let's do this. Let's interview some people on podcasts. Let's go on podcasts. Let's uh, write some content. Let's uh, make some videos. Let's follow up with coaching clients. Let's make sure that all the new resources and Rise Up Creatives are like fired up and ready to go for the new month. Yeah, yeah, Mondays are awesome. If you're not loving your Mondays, You got to think about your life. Like what's going on that you don't like about Mondays? Because Mondays, they're not your enemy. No, they're not your enemy. They're your friend. You can be friends with Mondays. Mondays are like my best friend. Yeah, get up and get going. Seriously though, if you do not enjoy Mondays and what you're doing in your life, come on now. You have one life and you have the opportunity to shift gears, change paths, change up direction. My wife and I were just walking this morning along the boardwalk in Newport Beach and just enjoying the overcast. The sun's not shining in our eyes like it oftentimes does. I love the sun, but I love the overcast. And I just said to her, I go, you know what's amazing about life is we just get to play here and we get to do amazing things and we get to We get to change direction. If you don't like what you're doing in life, you can change directions. Yes, there is a cost to changing directions. You'll have to feel uncomfortable. Maybe there's a financial shift. Maybe people get a little ruffled in the feathers, you know, but you can do it. So if you're not loving your Mondays, I'm just telling you, come on now, 
change up the direction of your life. Now, today we've got a story of someone who did just that. Now, I'm not saying she didn't like Mondays, but what she did was she built a personal empire during nap times. Yes, not when she was napping, when her kids were napping. Her name is Nikki Elledge Brown, and she launched a course called A Course About Copy. That's literally the name of the course, A Course About Copy, to help thousands of entrepreneurs communicate with clarity and confidence. And she built a multi-six-figure business in under 18 months. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. That's highly unusual. We like to tell unusual stories, but I don't want you to listen to that and go, "Mm, I'm like past 18 months in my business. I must suck. I'm like horrible. No, no, you're not. You are on the right path. You're right where you need to be. You're taking one step at a time. But we can learn from people who are a little bit ahead of us, a.k.a. Nikki Elledge Brown. Now, she's an amazing woman. She's a proud military spouse. She's a mom. She's a former park ranger. Yes, she is. And we get into that. That's super fun. So I know you're going to love this conversation with Nikki. So let's go ahead and jump in. Nikki, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to hear your story. And I know you've told your story a million times, but many of our listeners have not heard it. And uh, it is a, it's a, an amazing story. So would you mind kind of taking us back to when you were park ranger? Is this what I've... <laughs> yes. I'm like, which way are we facing? I have my flag and my little badge name tag up here in this part of my office. Yeah. So how did you become a park ranger, first of all? Interesting story. So my husband, Jeremy's in the Navy and he's in the reserves now, but he was active duty at the time when we got married. So a couple years into, we were stationed in Hawaii when we got married. So we moved over the rainbow. Now we're back in Houston, but we lived in Hawaii for about a decade. And so I had a more traditional job in downtown Honolulu for my first year there. And then once I left that job, I actually visited the Pearl Harbor Visitor Center with my sister and brother-in-law and niece and nephew when they came in town to visit. And I was like, this would be such a cool place to volunteer. So I actually just started by volunteering because my previous job had been like inside sales. I didn't get much human contact. I was missing that. Plus it was outside and beautiful. I later wrote about it like we lived in a screensaver just because the view at Pearl Harbor is just stunning every day and the rainbows and all of that. So I decided to start volunteering there because I befriended a number of Pearl Harbor survivors, actually, and they would volunteer there on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. And so I started volunteering, and eventually that led into what I call the dream job that I never dreamt of having. So it wasn't like Yosemite Grand Canyon-y park ranging. It was the historic Pearl Harbor um, and the USS Arizona Memorial, USF Oklahoma, USS Utah Memorial, and all of that, and I loved it. So I kept that up until a few months into starting my business. They were super flexible with me once I had my first and I was able to work part-time from home, even through with the park service. So that was amazing. And then eventually I let it go and just let it be for fun. I still do. Actually, I just recorded a descriptive audio for an exhibit that's over there at the museum right now. So, so fun that you're still able to be in contact with that. That's great. Now you said when you had your first, I'm assuming you meant when you had your first child. Yes. yes, I have three now. I've collected three in the last 10 years. My oldest is nine, and then second is five, and then baby girl will be six months tomorrow at the time we're recording this. Very fun. Very fun. 
So what led you to want to start a business on your own? Why didn't you just keep this dream job of, you know, it being in this beautiful environment and connecting with people? What was it inside of you that wanted something different? I wasn't actually planning to start a business. So towards the end of 2012, my husband, like I mentioned, he's in the Navy and he was about to be moving across the country for nine months to do some training in Connecticut. And so I was like, um... I'm going to be over here, you know, with our toddler. I was working two part-time jobs. So I had the park service gig. And then I was also facilitating courses for University of Phoenix online. So my background is in, I have a bachelor's and master's degree in communication studies. So I love to teach. And that's part of what I loved about the, the park ranging gig was that I was really just translating history and making it relevant, like telling their stories and making those connections from past, present, and future. And so I decided at the beginning of 2013 to let my word of the year be faith. And when I started journaling and doodling, I started to notice a string of what I call divine breadcrumbs, where it was like, okay, not everybody has a couple of degrees in communication studies. And not everybody is the nerd who would raise their hand to go first for the public speaking day. Not everybody does get that kind of feedback when they write a post of friends and family saying, you got to write a book, you know, this is really something, you have a special gift for this or whatever. Or like, for example, at the park ranger gig, even before I was full-time, they asked if I would record the intro that 2 million people, visitors see every year, you know? So it's like little things that I think we all have. If you look back retrospect, the Steve Jobs quote about connecting the dots, looking backward or whatever, that's what I call divine breadcrumbs. And so I was like, okay, I think I have something related to communication, connecting and storytelling, and it's time to share it in a bigger way. It literally felt like a knock on the head and it wasn't an option it was an inevitability. Like you can pretend that you didn't just feel this tug to actually do something a little out of your comfort zone, but it's not going to go away. So that's when I dove into the world of online business that I didn't even realize existed. Um, At my other jobs, I called it paychecks of the heart because there's no way we could have survived on just my paychecks, you know, especially in Hawaii, they were not going to support us or support our family or whatever, but we would save everything that I made. So it felt in a way like monopoly money. Now I realize it was very real. It very much counted. It has gotten us through a number of, you know, questionable patches over the last few years. But anyway, I decided to share my gift. I didn't know if that'd be a a different blog or a book or a business. Now I know it's all of those things. And then I was like, okay, joined an online course, found a group of online entrepreneurs, and I could quickly see that this was something people needed help with they were feeling super awkward or salesy or like they were writing in somebody else's voice. So I started eight years ago, actually this week, probably. Um, and I offered some free sessions and in exchange for feedback and letting people telling me, okay, here's the list of all the things I can help with. And it was very clear that people wanted help when it came to communication with written stuff. And then specifically writing about themselves, about pages and that kind of thing. So I could see the pattern instantly And then I put out a paid offer and things just snowballed it. It was a very weird, unusual story and start, but it was what it was. And things got real intense, real fast. I ended up working with a hundred people in my first summer. So I imagine I would make $21,000 maybe in my first year. That was about my salary almost (laughs) for the part-time gigs I was doing. And I ended up making that by the end of the second month in business. So that just blew my mind. Like I just didn't even realize that was possible, but that was how, how I got started. It wasn't, I wasn't setting out like, I really want to start a business. What's it going to be? It was, I have a gift that isn't everybody's gift. How can I share it in a different way? And then we were off to the races. What was your husband 
thinking and saying during this whole process when you're all of a sudden have this influx of cash? Yeah. I mean, he was just, he was working a lot on the submarine. <laughs> so he was like, great, cool. Okay. Wow. You know, we just both like PayPal froze my account because it seemed scammy. You know, <laughs> second month, it was like, you're going from zero to like, what's your business? Can you please explain a little bit more context or whatever? But you know, he was like, okay, great. Keep it going. Great, great job, mommy. You know, my little one was a toddler at the time. So he was in daycare two days. He was at an in-home daycare two days a week at that time. So then we bumped it up to three because with those free sessions, I would do like seven in a day. And so, yeah, it was just all hands on deck because then I had so many sessions booked up mm-hmm. for those first few months that it was like, okay, everybody, everybody needs to know, okay, here's our schedule. This is when I'm going to be doing these calls. So if he's not in daycare and you're actually home, then this is how we need to work it out. Mm-hmm. But we just had to be flexible as we could, at least in those first few months. And then he left, you know, to go to Connecticut. So that's when I wasn't able to do as many one-on-ones, which is what led me to then turn it into a course toward the end mm-hmm. of my first year. In the beginning, you're saying you offered free free consultations. Were they kind of like sales calls or more you were helping them actually on the phone or you were doing work for free just to get experience? Yeah, that was it. I just needed to build my confidence cooties. You know, like I knew that people would pay for what I was teaching in the college level, you know, but I didn't know if actual business owners would pay for what I had to offer. So I had a survey that was like, what is your biggest challenge? You know, lots of people do this. What's your biggest challenge with this? If you could wave a magic wand, what would your ideal solution be? Blah, blah, blah. And so I I said I was going to do 10 free sessions. And then I ended up getting 30 something. And I said, if I don't choose you for a free session, I'd be happy to answer one of your questions on my Facebook page or something like that. So I had 30 something people fill out that initial survey and I ended up going ahead and doing 24 free sessions and I got feedback and testimonials and I just laid it out very clear. I mean, I still actually use some of the copy from eight years ago for the free sessions to help my clients now know what to expect before, during, and after. So it was just super clear on how the process would go. So I took it seriously and they took it seriously, even though I didn't have a website, nobody knew me from Adam. And they, they all showed up. It was a hundred percent show up rate for these free sessions. And like I said, instantly, actually literally the first call from Deb, Hey Deb, if you're listening, um, she was like, great, how can I pay you? And I was like, great question. I don't know. I don't know how that works yet. You know, like I hadn't figured out PayPal or how to make a link or whatever, which is ultimately what I did the next couple of weeks. I would send like an invoice via PayPal or something. And so, you know, so many people that are listening, are starting their business or in the middle of it and maybe feel like a bit of a grind, a bit of a struggle, and they hear you and, uh, you know, they probably have some serious hatred toward you. Just to I, be get uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, what would you attribute that incredible success, like right from the very beginning? And, yeah. and, and we haven't even gotten into tremendous success that you've had. But what would you, what would you attribute that to? Yeah. Well, first I would like to say, you know, that everybody by now has seen the cartoon or the graph where it's like, what you think entrepreneurship is going to look like and what it actually looks like. So I'll let you know, spoiler alert, I ended up creating my own squiggle season. (laughs) Well, so I get it. I get it at a deep embodied cellular level. Now this whole like, wait, who am I? What do I want to offer? Who am I talking to? Like, I get it now, but I did it in reverse where at the beginning, everything did take off so quickly. I attribute it to a number of things. One, it was a perfect storm of me modeling what I was offering. So I was writing 
and, and communicating with people in Facebook groups, for example, or through emails and my and blog posts, I didn't have the blog yet, but through emails or whatever, I would have them subscribe and then share whatever blog posts through emails. And so I was modeling writing like I speak. So the fact that people could see, oh, wow, I feel like I can hear her as I'm reading this. And I've never even heard her voice. You know, I didn't have a video online except for the park ranger one, which had nothing to do with anything. So I feel like people could see the proof was in the pudding, like, oh, if she can write like she speaks, then maybe she can help me. Or if she can help me feel like I already know her and I've never even heard her voice, then maybe she can help me create that with my clients. So I think that was part of it. Showing up and being of service. Also, it was 2013, which was like, you know, light years ago or whatever in terms of internet time. So it wasn't as saturated. So I also think there was a timing issue with 2013. But then again, there were lots of people starting businesses in 2013 who didn't have this particular wild experience. So I was also sharing about the journey as I was going. And so, again, lots of people do that now as a strategy. It was just genuine and heartfelt like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? You know, 500 people have signed up just to hear about what the offer is, what is happening. So it was like it was just a perfect storm of all of those elements. I could clearly see the need. I was very inspired and I wasn't doing it for the money, which I've, I've flipped that on multiple occasions. And I promise everyone listening that works a lot better when you're inspired and you're doing it because it's something you feel pulled to do rather than you're trying to reverse engineer and make it work just because like you're trying to get this outcome. So I think that was also a huge part of it. I'm big on energy and intuition pairing with common sense and logic and all of that as well. So I think all of those things together led to that. But I also just feel like sometimes wild things happen and it's just for the sake of it being the story. I don't know. It was just meant to be part of my story. You know, just like the the squiggle season that I've created over the last few years is also meant to be part of the story. So after you started recognizing, okay, I could turn this into a course and reach more people, what was that course and how did you get it out to the world? Yeah. So I knew that once Jeremy was leaving and we'd be traveling more, we'd be in Texas and we would go see him in Connecticut and all of that, that I just straight up wouldn't have the time and ability to be able to do the one-on-one calls. And also, like I said, I have a background in teaching. So I would teach at the community college and then I was teaching through online universities. So I'd created college courses from scratch, but I had never created for this crowd So I resisted it for a while. Like I was afraid once I could slow down because I also like once I could go, I was really great about getting feedback, first of all, and testimonials are ridiculously powerful. I had 70 something testimonials. I'm like, no one would read all of that. My mom wouldn't even (laughs) read all of that. So just the sheer amount of social proof also fed into that vortex of momentum as well. So that's a sidebar. But with the course, I knew if I wanted to keep helping people then it needed to be like, I could pull the best stuff out of my brain, streamline it and help them regardless of what we were doing, whether we were sleeping or on a plane or playing, you know, Play-Doh or whatever. And so I created it in a very short span of time. I launched it at the be- or the end of January, the beginning of February, 2014. So about seven years ago. And it was like, I did some emails and I did some videos, the kind of traditional pre-launch, la la la. And I had about 1,200 people on my email list that had signed up during that launch period to hear about it. And then I had 50 people join, which again, that is unusual for a first launch of a course, but they were amazing. The founding class, it was called A Course About Copy. And I at first thought, I don't know, what's the course going to be about? Is it communication in general? What is it? And then I remembered 
ideally, there's a very clear objective for your course so that people can know if they've met that objective and move forward. So I decided to make it specifically about writing copy for their websites, mostly service-based entrepreneurs, because that was my experience. So it was about writing your site in a way that would attract the right people, build meaningful connection with them, and make it easy for them to decide if they want to do business with you. And so it was literally just step-by-step recipes, kind of like bumper guardrails where I show up and hold the structure and then you pour your voice in because it's not about writing like me. It's about writing like you, Mm -hmm. helping the right people hear you before they hire you. So that was the birth of a course about copy in early 2014. And it didn't just stay with 50 people though. No, over the years, I think we had over 700, 600 or 700 people join it over, over the course of the years that I was sharing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you have uh, mentioned kind of a squiggly period of squiggly line period. Yeah. Um, at what point did it go from kind of skyrocketing to mm-hmm. squiggly? Yeah. So my my income in the early years was from my course, and then also a few affiliate promotions that I would do with courses that I believed in and that I knew that my audience would get great value from. So that was the pair of it. And then towards the end of 2015, that's when my second little guy was born, Diki at the end of 2015. And after that, there was just a big value shift. I talk about it in the book I've yet to (laughs) self-publish, but um, I've talked about it in my podcast too, where he was just a few weeks old. We were at Aulani, which is the Disney resort on the west side of Oahu. And my parents were there and Jeremy was about to leave again for another half deployment. And uh, we were talking about how my oldest Bryson was going to be five later that year. And I just burst into tears. Mm. Like I just, it just hit me. Like it just washed over me that These are the years, you know, like these are the years if he does traditional school, which again, now 2021, we're actually remixing all of that. But in theory, those preschool years, even though he would go to preschool, he wasn't home all the time. I just, I just felt like this isn't it. This isn't how I want to be showing up. I just had so much mom guilt at that moment, which I've healed and worked on. And my process has been very internal over the last few years, but I had so much mom guilt in that moment. I was like, this isn't how I want to be showing up because And I'm at this point, again, looking backwards, it's easy to see. I'm so grateful for the version of me that grew the business as quickly and as rapidly as I did in those first few years, because we wouldn't be in this position now where my husband is home as much as he wants to be if I hadn't done, you know, like he was, he, we decided to opt out of active duty. And instead of going on another deployment, we bought a house and moved back to Texas to be near my sisters and my parents and whatever. So we wouldn't have done that. If I hadn't, you know, but at the time I couldn't see it. I just knew this isn't it. I don't want to have my head in my laptop all the time. I want to be more present. At least Bryson had 18 months before I started my business. Diki was practically born on a live live webinar, you know, so (laughs) that was the beginning of the shift for me. So it was self self created because I was like, this isn't it. It's not that I didn't believe in what I was sharing anymore, but I, I just wanted to figure out how to show up in my home and in my family in a different way. And that's when I actually was inspired to start the Naptime Empires podcast and just to have these conversations, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship, because not that many people at the time were talking about it, this dynamic between the two. And of course, now that we're in a pandemic, lots of people understand the tension between having little ones running around while you're trying to record a podcast, for example. So that was the beginning of the shift where I was like, hang on, how do I want to show up at home? And how do I want to show up? online? Do I even want to show up online? You know, so I kind of went into a hibernation phase and I'm still exploring them, you know? Mm -hmm. 
when when you have that shift, it seems like there's a a pretty big possibility that your income shifts as well. Yeah. And like, you know, how, how have you navigated that and how would you encourage others to navigate that? Most people, frankly, are, they're listening to our podcast would love to have that problem of, yeah. going, you know, I've got too much work. Uh, yeah. Most people are trying to generate more and more uh, business, yeah. but how do you, how did you navigate that? You know, and just in terms of the, okay, you, you can choose to back off, but also if you back off, that can impact ego in some way. Yes. And also impact finances. 100%. So great question. Thanks for asking. So let's acknowledge my husband had a job, a stable, secure military job. So my income truly was bonus forever. You know, like it was bonus at the time. It was additional. Like I mentioned, I don't know if we were recording when I was talking about, but we saved everything that I made, you know? So, I mean, not everything, because I would invest some money back into the business, but in terms of my salary, like we were living off of less than his salary even as an enlisted person in the military in Hawaii. So we were very frugal and very intentional about living well beneath our means to be able to fund our savings. So that's a huge part that a lot of people, even with similar incomes at the time, just weren't doing. So that's a personal choice and everybody has their own situations and circumstances, of course, and there's no judgment of better or worse, but it's really important to acknowledge that we made choices to save, to live within our means while below our means so that we could have the flexibility if and when it came to the situation. And why did you do that? I mean, that's so unusual. Like, yeah. was that something informed by Dave Ramsey? Like the, you know. We did read some Dave Ramsey back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Like we read the books, like when we first got married in 2008, because again, he was enlisted, not like an officer. He's enlisted in the military. I'm making $14 an hour or whatever. We're living in Hawaii. But yeah, I was just, my dad. I guess is like one of my first financial role models. And he always was talking about the value of saving or putting away for retirement. So that's a privilege in itself that we would have that I was exposed to those conversations so that when we got married, it was like, okay, the whole live like no one else. So you can live like no one else thing really resonated with us. And it was like, okay, let's do this. Let's be smart about saving. Let's start putting away for retirement every year, you know, and contributing to the Roth IRAs and maxing those out and whatever. And so we have stuck with that. But my, um, what was I going to say? Oh, right. So income wise, I still had, I was still making great money. For example, that year, that first big transition year, I was making a lot, but it was so much less profitable that year because I was trying to spend my way into clarity. I hired so many people. I joked that it was like an orthodontist office. Like I had so many retainers up in here that it was like, Oh, yours is $2,000 a month. Oh, your rate is 2000. Okay, sure. Yeah, everybody. And, and that ate into my profit and our bottom line a lot, whereas the previous year had been like 50% net profit. And then that next year was maybe, I can't do the math, but it was a lot less. It was a fraction of it. And so that's one thing that I would say, the value in having somebody who can walk through these emotional ups and downs of entrepreneurship with you as a coach, a therapist, even somebody, even great friends, because at the time, it was a huge identity crisis for me because I had at first, like I said, I didn't start my business to make a bunch of money. But as soon as I did, this is the drawback to that quick success. You have this expectation. If I'm not making a million dollars next week, I'm a failure, <laughs> you know, or maybe I'll speak for myself. But that's how I was feeling. Like if I don't continue to grow at this rate, everybody's watching now. Not everybody, of course, this teeny tiny pocket of the Internet. But I felt like, OK, now 
we've got this expectation of me. Now the bar is set. Now, if my business doesn't reach this, then it doesn't mean anything. Now my worth is attached to my revenue numbers. Like all of these things that so many people deal with, whether they consciously realize it yet or not. So that was a B. <laughs> to be unraveling that over the last few years to realize like, I'm still worthy, even if my business is not making much or any money at the moment. You know, like I'm still worthy as a person no matter what my revenue and profit and loss statement reflects. And that's been a huge lesson that I've had to learn and embody so that I can help my clients embody that as well, because my clients are really high performing humans who can do a lot of amazing things, but do they really want to this whole one precious life? Is that really how they want to be showing up? Is there another way? And it can feel really scary because there's a lot of FOMO once you've set that precedent for yourself but it's possible to step away and not die from it. So that's what I'm trying to prove. Yeah. And how have you navigated that? You're like, oh, I've done the work. I'm still worthy. I mean, is this therapy? Is it spirituality? Is it faith? Is it uh, ayahuasca? Is it, you know? Like- <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. Um, so great friends. I call my friends my cabinet of friend tours. So there's that. I love a good intuitive reading, psychic readings. Um, I also have really gotten into the work of John Martini. So I'm a facilitator for his Martini method, which is really cool too, which is just about, like he has a whole program called Where's My Billion, which is just the theory that we all have a billion dollars in assets. It's just stored in our highest values. You know, so we're, we may not be monetizing it. You may have all these ideas, but you're not actually monetizing them. You may have such high value on your family and your kids, on your partner. No one could pay you a billion dollars to take your youngest, you know, or whatever. So it's like just about honoring and valuing who you are and what you value in a given season. So knowing that once I do value making more money, then I will. And also knowing that there are trade-offs that making more money doesn't make you a happier person necessarily, you know, like all of those things and just understanding both sides has been a game changer. Hmm. Do you ever feel like, um, did you ever wrestle with or still wrestle with the idea that if you take a break, so to speak, which it sounds like, you know, you've pulled back in terms of that intensity that you'll lose your edge and you won't have it when you return again. Totally. Yeah. And I actually have a number. I mean, it's like a theme in my podcast of like the pregnant pause. It's okay to take a break, slow the F down. What's the rush? Like this is a theme for sure. Cause I think this is just how it is. I imagine most entrepreneurs deal with this because the nature of being an entrepreneur and starting a business and putting yourself out there to be able to determine your own future to some degree, I feel like all of us are probably going to face that at some point. And that's why it's important, like I said, to have nurture, establish friendships who can hold up the mirror. You know, there's that beautiful lyric and I can't remember who actually wrote it, but basically about like great friends who can sing the lyrics back when you've forgotten, you know, to your own song or something. I totally, totally butchered it. But it's really important because I have friends that have seven, eight plus figure businesses and they're still hanging out with me. You know, like it it doesn't matter. It's not impacting the real friendships. I would call them relationships like R-E-A-L. Certain people will fall off and then you, you know, okay, those people were more just kind of trying to ride the the Mm -hmm. halo effect. If, if I was showing up and having some flashy outside success or whatever, but the real people who you actually want to do life with they're going to love you regardless. And then you're going to help pick them up when they're questioning themselves and going through that. But yeah, I absolutely still go through them. That's mm-hmm. why I need to surround myself. I mean, that's why we are 
social creatures, right? So we can remind each other, like, dude, it's not a big deal. And this is what you valued at this moment. Like me, you know, completing our family and having this little girl and being with her as my final baby. Like, I feel so grateful that I have the presence of mind to know this is it. This is our last run. I don't really, I mean, I get tired for sure. And it's not always fun to wake up and feed her at 3 a.m. But I also know you all the country songs. It won't be like this for long. I know that it's going to pass in a blink. And so I'm grateful that I can be like, okay, one, that we saved and invested and that we financially have the flexibility to where I don't have to be doing things that I don't necessarily want to do. And two, just to be able to enjoy it and know that this is what I value right now. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm doing all of this and seeing how me going through it is helping me help my clients go through it in their own form. Some do and don't even have kids, but they have grandparents that they're taking care of or Mm -hmm. hobbies or teams that they're responsible for. And so there's just so much tangled into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, what do they say? The days are long and the years are short. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like, oh, I know. <laughs> In the middle of those days, it's like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But it is really true. Just one little scroll back through the camera roll really highlights how true that is. How even just six months ago, they looked totally different. So, yeah. Well, my wife and I, we have two kids that are 21 and 18. And, uh, you know, they were little babies just yesterday. So it goes fast, very yeah. fast. Yep. Yeah. And now they're about, you know, they got one foot out the door. Right. I'm like, Brandon, what did I say? I said nine years. Maybe I said 10 years. He was like, nine years. And I'm like, oh, grudge me. But again, that's the the goal. And it's different for every family. It's different for every circumstance. There's not a better or worse or anything, but it's just about owning who you are and what you value in a given season and doing whatever you can with whatever you've got to create your life accordingly. Mm -hmm. So, Naptime Empire sounds like that's kind of your foot in the, in the, I don't know, not in the door, but like you're still connecting with people over these issues um, while maybe other parts of your business are on pause. Um, What is it about Naptime Empires that draws you? Like, why do you keep doing that when you don't have to? Well, it's interesting. So I started the, I officially launched the podcast in 2017 and then I've just kind of sporadically released episodes and again, just go on a pause whenever I need to do and then come back and call it a new season or whatever. Um, And so I just love having the conversations. Honestly, all the guests that I've had on my podcast are friends of mine that I actually know, you know, and that's just fun to be able to showcase different stories. Cause again, mine is just one. It is a very, very specific perspective that I have. So I love to be able to pass the mic and create what I call a potluck of ideas so that people can come to the podcast and take what works for them, skip over what doesn't, double up on what they're really enjoying or what they can really connect to or relate to. So, and then whenever I've done solo episodes, that's just to anchor in a lesson that I knew I needed to hear again. Mm -hmm. Like I'll listen to my own podcast because to me, it's something where it's like, note to self. Like if I'm in the woods with my backpack and my machete or something and I'm recording, it's like, okay don't forget this. And then I'll go back. Like there's one that's called get in the game or get back in the game or something. And it's like, I really needed to hear that. If I haven't recorded, for example, in a while, it's like, okay, it's not a big of a deal. This is how good it feels to be on the other side of resistance and that kind of thing. So I've started actually a year ago in quarantine, I wrote a monstrous first draft of the Naptime Empire's book, like 94,000 words in 12 days. It was a very intense, just 
shut them all out. <laughs> I was pregnant, but Jeremy was home and the boys were home. Everybody was pretty much home for pandemic time. And then I've kind of just been styling it, restyling it, unpacking it, repacking it. I think it will be my first book. I'm just going to self-publish it, but I don't know. I might, I might, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I do have a book in mind for Naptime Empires to put it into book form and just kind of share. Here's what I would love to be able to just be on speed dial. Again, just like with the course, it was nice to have it all in one spot. So I could just point Mm -hmm. people here. So for the people who are just in the weeds, already got the business, already got the kids, hiding in the bathroom, like, can I even do this? What was I thinking? Ideally, the book, just like the podcast, will be something that they can pop into their earbuds or scroll through and be like, okay, yes, yes. It's Mm -hmm. not all rainbows and butterflies. It's going to be challenging. As long as it's worth it to me, I'm in. I got this. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get back at it. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to go back to is you talked about these friendships, the real relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I know for so many type A entrepreneurs, those relationships actually suffer during the sprint to build, build, build. Yeah. And yet you had them along the way at some, you know, how did you, did you, were you intentional about that or... I'm going to crash and burn, not that you crash and burn, but I'm going to take us, yeah. I'm going to take a squiggly line detour here at, at some point. I'm going to need some relationships. I'm going to pre, you know, have these in, in my back pocket or did you, was it just natural for you? You're just it a naturally was, friendly, loving person that people were attracted to. I mean, that's annoying to phrase it that way. I'm sure to hear, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> but it was more that I wasn't planning on strategically. Like I'm going to need these people when it is. <laughs> But I do. I love friends. I love people and having like a group of not even necessarily group. Lots of them are like onesie twosies, like little couplings and they all kind of know each other because we're all in the space. But I talk about this in the book that is again, not yet published a whole chapter on relationships and friend tours. It's just mean. It's just mean to keep, you know, I talk about this in my book. You can't have it, but you know, I talk about it there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. Well, I'm hoping that y'all will listen and then like DM me and send me emails like, Nikki, come on, get on it, get on it. I could use the peer pressure. So you're welcome to do that, to email me and say, please write the book so we can just read it and you can stop talking about it like in hypothetical terms. But multiple paths that my friends and I found each other, and it all comes back to just like with clients, putting yourself out there and turning your light on. So if I was out there doing my thing. Like, yes, there's lots of business. Like a lot of my friends are doing amazing things in the world and you can kind of see each other. Like I see you like across the internet, like, Oh, that's cool. I like what she's doing. We're speaking to the same crowd and either we would be on each other's podcast or for some, I met them because I would sign up for their course because I wanted to support them, but also get to know them that way. Or Yeah. Interviews. Some would actually just reach out or we were in a mutual Facebook group and then they mutual connections and that kind of thing. So sometimes I would be proposing friendship and risking rejection. Sometimes they would be proposing friendship and risking rejection. But the key is we're all, I mean, everybody, everybody has stuff going on, whether you're a business owner or not, you have a full life. Chances are you're not just like sitting around looking for something to do today, whether you have kids or a business or both or not. And so the key is to not be so needy And Mm -hmm. just be the friend that you wish to see in your inbox, which is somebody who's going to celebrate the ups with you and also be willing to hop on a call if you're having a really terrible day or a Voxer, like we love, love Voxer for asynchronous phone conversations. So that's the key, I think, is that it feels like we're both opting in, you know, and we're both choosing in. And it's not like 
I need you and I'm mad at you if you have other friends or I'm mad if you don't have time. Like I will let my friends, I will contact them by air, land and sea. If it's an emergency, I will let them know like, no, I really need you right now. But for the most part, it's just, hey, checking in or hey, how are you doing? Or hey, here's a picture of Noe. Yeah, she laughed today or whatever. And so that's the kind of friendship that just feels nourishing. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it real because it's not like pressure. I feel lucky to have the friends that I have. It will be through pandemic days. A group of my girls and I, three, four of us, would actually travel and meet and hang out in real life because two of them have such busy or had such busy schedules that it was like their only time to like sit down, you know, and just be present with us. Mm-hmm. And it was priceless. I'm so glad we did all that traveling while we could. But it just means everything to like to have that diverse cabinet of people that you can lean on for whatever it may be. You mentioned uh, proposing friendship. And risking rejection. Like, what did that look like to propose friendship? You know, it's not It's not like you were going, hey, can we be friends? But like, I don't know, maybe you did. Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so one of my best friends, for example, back in the day, in the early months of business, she reached out to me via DM and was like, hey, Nikki, I love, you know, I've seen you in this group. I love what you're doing. I would love to catch up and connect. And lots of people do that. But I wouldn't say yes to everybody like because, again, we only all have so much time and I don't think it makes you a jerk. Like we don't owe people our time. But when you show up online again, this is the same with clients and you have a digital footprint and people can kind of research you and Google stock you a little bit to get to know. Do we have a lot in common? Do I think this would be mutually beneficial? Is this worth me dedicating a precious 30 minutes of daycare time (laughs) to actually have a conversation with this person? Because at the time, especially in those first few months, it was like if I have time. I need to be serving the clients or writing the email or doing whatever. It wasn't like, let's meet up for virtual coffee. I don't right. necessarily love that. But the friends that would reach out, they had this presence and I could see, oh, this would be great. I think we could cheer each other on. We could inspire each other with ideas, blah, blah, blah. So that was one example through the DMs. And then another example with my buddy, Carrie Green, I had done an, like a written interview that was in her digital magazine. And then we had done a couple of video interviews for her website And it was literally like I was watching, she had a TED talk or a TEDx talk online. And I was like, and I realized we were the same age. And I literally sent her an email. I was like, okay, next level. I really think we can be friends, you know? So do you want to have a chat that's not on the record? Like that's not YouTube. And she's one of my very best friends. We had our daughters within a month of each other back in 2020. And we've gotten to connect at least once or twice in real life. Um, So that's what that friend proposal can look like. And again, it's about reaching out without expectation and not, and trying as much as we're human. So of course, sometimes we're going to be like, awkward. oh my gosh, I feel so embarrassed or whatever. You have to be willing to risk it. And it's worth the risk, right? Like the potential payoff of actually having a friend that you can walk through this life with, to me at least, is well worth being like getting no response. It's totally mm-hmm. fine if she said, so don't reach out if you're going to like have an emotional hook in that person to where you're going to be like, resentful if they don't reply or if it doesn't happen you just have to trust kind of like with sales and with clients again you want a win-win you genuinely want what's best for everybody you're not just trying to get every sale you can get that may not even be a great fit because you want them to be really happy with their purchase and all of that so i think it's the same with Mm -hmm. so i i really appreciate you sharing that it's uh i asked for what is it uh selfish reasons because (laughs) Um, I was actually a pastor for over 10 years, left that 13 years ago, and I swore off um, employees and mm. like 
collaborations or, you know, like working with other people like that, because I just, I was so burned out and I just was like, I'm going to do everything myself. I just don't want to have to deal with any of this stuff. And recently in the launch of a particular product that I've launched a couple of months ago, I've had to have employees, quite a few, Mm -hmm. and I need collaborations um, because I can't do it on my own. And um, for the last two years, I have served a primarily female audience. Um, Mm -hmm. My podcast is all about female entrepreneurs and leaders. I primarily coach and consult with female entrepreneurs and leaders. And so then, um, like my best friend outside of my wife is a woman. And she's an incredible, and it's totally appropriate, you know, relationship. My wife knows her very well. (laughs) And she is a uh, coach consultant in the realm of health and wellness and Hashimoto's and all this stuff. So my natural uh, friendships that I would kind of seek after would be more women in this space. And, but that's weird. You know what I mean? And so it's not weird for me, but it can come off weird if you don't know me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Well, then you just acknowledge that. Like, I get it. This probably seems weird. <laughs> and so, and then they can listen to your podcast and they can see your videos and they can see you talking about your wife and all of that. And then they get to make that assessment, you know? Right, and so, right. Yeah. And I just recently, um, it's so it's so weird. Like out of the last couple of months, I reached out to someone about being a brand ambassador for this new resource um, that yeah. I've launched. And uh, she didn't respond, which is not unusual. You know what I mean? You know how it is. Just some people respond. And then I followed up with her and then she offered to help me. Like she just offered to like help in some way. And I thought, well, this is weird. And we've really developed a friendship in the process. And uh, it's just been really beautiful. And I just, but it's also given me um, some new life and courage to go, I really enjoy this. I really you know, want to put myself out there more, but in, you know, non-creepy ways. And I think it, uh, <laughs> the, uh, having people on my podcast, mm-hmm. you know, that's an easy that's way an to, way. I mean, again, I've known most of my guests, but yeah, podcasts are a great way to get to know yeah. somebody. Or me on their podcast. I mean, when you spend yeah. 45 minutes with someone just listening to them and talking to them, it's yeah. really a connecting fun, you know, For experience. Sure. Um, and then also just celebrating, like you said, celebrating their wins or things that they're doing or, you know, sharing what they're doing so that my audience can, you know, learn from them. So, um, I think that that is so important that to have those friendships, because we will go through challenging times. I mean, we will. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I hit rock bottom in my life, like 13 years ago, it was bad. And I had, three uh, male friends uh, Mm -hmm. who are still my friends and uh, a therapist that Mm -hmm. saved my life, you know, going through that. And um, a couple of them had been in my life and one sewed up serendipitously. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's, it's very powerful for you to share that. Well, thanks for following that thread because I think it's more important than ever, especially when we've been even more isolated than ever, which we already can be, especially if we're business owners and we lean to be online business owners and all of that. Like, it's actually really interesting to think about the synchronous opposites that my husband and I were experiencing where he's like in a steel tube in the ocean with 140 people with no internet connection, like below sea level. And then I have my head in the cloud, you know, virtually speaking, and I'm connected to all these people all over the world but he's traveling the world in the submarine. And then I'm on the little Island in the middle of the Pacific, you know, like we just had such different experiences. Wow. That's another reason for the squiggle season, because I had spent less time without my husband than with for years. So we had a whole adjustment to be like, who are you? 
Mm. Nice to meet you. What is it that you're looking to do? What am I doing? How do we do this together? How do we actually live together in the same house? Like all up in each other's spaces. Again, what lots of people are experiencing through the pandemic. This Mm. is something that we were experiencing, you know, years ago to figure out and navigate all of that. And so it's like, it's just priceless, whether it's in-person connection. And if virtual is all you've got right now, again, that is the case for most people currently, it can absolutely, like some of my very best friends, I have actually yet to meet in person. Like one of my very best friends that knows me probably better than 99.9% of humans, I've actually yet to meet her in real life, in person. Wow. So there is so much possibility in virtual, air quotes, virtual friendships. They can be real. And it's just the icing on the cake when you actually get to squeeze them in real life sometimes. Yeah. Well, and especially for online business owners, oftentimes you don't know people locally that are online business owners for whatever reason and people don't understand, you know, they're like, what do you do? What? (laughs) They don't get it. Right. So the only people that really can understand are people that are halfway across the United States. So yeah, it's a thrill. Like I recently found a professional organizer over here. We, we brought an RV after we had the baby, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't be in here unless we've got this thing organized and it feels homey. And I was so excited to see her because she's got like an Instagram presence and whatever. And I'm like, this is so cool. Or someone who is a friend now that I hired years ago through Thumbtack, the website where you can find like uh-huh. local service providers. And so I, you know, talk her ear off and she gets books from my library of, you know, like, I'm like, oh, you could do this for online virtual sessions. Like it was great that she could do virtual and all of that. So it is fun when worlds collide locally. But in the meantime, virtual distance friendships, like having the friends that live in your phone can be super powerful as well. Awesome. Naptimeempires.com is your podcast. So we encourage people to check that out. Of course, they can find that on all the podcast platforms as well. And your website, Nikki Ellis Brown, will have that in our show notes as well as all your social media links. So Nikki, thank you so much for taking time to hang. I really appreciate it. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity. Mm -hmm.